This evening, I'd just like to share a few thoughts with you from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. Um, as believers, of course, our mission given by our Savior is to go and make disciples, to preach the gospel to all creatures. And when we are involved in such ministry, uh, we meet all sorts of people. And precisely, we meet all sorts of hearts. Uh, and this is going to be the focus of uh, this uh, sermon this evening, is the hearts that we see in chapter 16 of the book of Acts. And for us to realize that there are many hearts uh, still out there who haven't heard about Christ, so many hearts with different struggles in life, and we have this uh, beautiful uh, endeavor that the Lord has given us to share the gospel, to simply share with people who Christ is, because many still do not know who Christ is, or many have a very distorted uh, definition of who Christ is and what he has done for them. But hearts, that is where Paul tells us that hearts is where, well, we believe, and we come to repentance, and we uh, obtain salvation uh, from God by His grace. And so heart is a very important uh, part of our lives. And the first heart we see here in this passage, in verse 1, it is an adopted heart. We read in verse 1, uh, talking about Paul and his uh, team, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was well, well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities and delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. So, of course, this verse 5, that is precisely, you know, our goal as missionaries and the goals of churches who support and send missionaries throughout the world is to see people come to know Christ and to see churches being established and churches growing in numbers. But not only that, growing spiritually as well and reproducing that same pattern over and over again. But as I said, tonight we want to look at the hearts of people. And the first heart there is an adopted heart. That is the one of Timothy. Timothy, we are told in here in this verse that he was already a disciple. So when Paul meets him there uh, in the Lystra, this young man already was a believer, already was a disciple, and also had a powerful testimony, uh, so powerful that Paul wanted to take Timothy with him to accompany him in his missionary endeavor. And that's what we read uh, there at verse, uh, verse 3. Now, Timothy, we don't know too much about who he is unless we read the book of Acts. We read Paul's epistles to Timothy. But we know just about his mother who was a believer who was a Jewess, of his grandmother as well, who both of these women had a great impact in Timothy's life. But then it is told to us here in this passage that his father was a Greek. 
And you probably notice that nothing else is said besides that. So we understand that Timothy grew up in a home where, well, there was a father who was an unbeliever and then a mother and a grandmother who were believers and who had this impact in Timothy's life so much that Timothy came to know the Lord as well. We don't know where, we don't know when. It's possible that Paul, being in that area uh, in previous chapters, maybe it was through his ministry, we, we don't know. But what we do know here is that this young man was already a disciple. And that is why I call him an adopted heart, because he was already adopted by God the Father, and he was part of God's family, but then also adopted because Paul saw in Timothy a special young man, so much that Paul would pretty much become a father figure for this uh, young man. Paul himself would look at Timothy as being his son in the faith. Uh, and so there was a special bond between the two. And it is really, uh, to me, a beautiful story of how God works in the lives of people, bringing them to <laughs> this point in life where they can, too, uh, become believers. But this heart that I mention is important because when you are <laughs> preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel with people, you will meet people who are already believers. Um, this just reminds me that during our, our <laughs> travels, at one point we had troubles with our car and we, we had to stop and the engine would not uh, stay on. It would start but then die right away. And <laughs> we, we parked the car on the side of the road in a town in Wyoming. And just a few minutes later, a man comes and stops and he asks us, well, do you, do you need help? Oh, of course we do. <laughs> and so uh, he, uh, he said that he had been in the trucking business, so he started looking at the engine and I told him about all the other issues that we've had with the vehicle, so we started to look at the fuses and he said, well, you know, I have a tester at home. If you don't mind, I'll go get it. It'll take me about 10 minutes. I'll be right back with that and we can test the fuses. And I said, sure, why not? And so he left, and as he left, I sat down behind a wheel and, okay, let's start the, try this again, and started to ignite the, the, the engine, but it would die right away. That, that is one way. When I started to pray to God and telling him, well, I really don't understand why this is happening, what the purpose of this is, but we really need to go on with our journey and we'd appreciate for this car to, to work. And right after that, I turn the key and the engine starts and stays on. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And the gentleman just comes back a few minutes after that. And so he looks at me and says, well, the engine's running. I say, yes, it is. And I told him, I prayed to God. And he answered. Now, I was expecting for a weird look on his face or something like that. But then he said, well... I was praying for you and your family as well on the way home and back. And I was like, oh, you are a believer. Yes. And so we started, you know, talking. And it was, you know, one of this, these encounters that only God can make possible. But yes, you know, we, 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 we think that, okay, well, this is an opportunity to share the gospel. But here we are, <laughs> this man already a believer. But then 
we go down a few verses later after Paul has this uh, uh, vision of uh, the, what we call the Macedonian call, where Paul wanted, to, of course, to go to Asia and preach the gospel, and God prevented him from doing that because he wanted Paul to go to Philippi. And so we are in Philippi, uh, verse uh, 13, it tells us that on the Sabbath, uh, they, uh, the Paul and his crew decided to go out of the city by river where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which uh, <laughs> resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So here we have a very different heart. Timothy was already an adopted heart. But here we have a woman who appears to believe in God. She is worshiping God. But then we understand that she has not yet come to Christ. Most likely, this woman, which was the first European to come to Christ uh, that we know of, well, she worshipped God, but then she needed her heart to be opened. So this is an open heart that we see here. God had to work in her heart. A person who was already believing in God, worshipping God, but needed to hear the gospel message. And we don't have all the details of what Paul said to this woman. We just know that she listened because she had an open heart. And as she listened to Paul, right away in verse 15, it tells us that she was baptized. Not only her, but her household as well. So, of course, we know that Paul would not baptize anyone who would not believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But this open heart through Paul's witnessing and sharing of God's word, became an adopted heart as well. Not only her, but her household. And we see the fruits of this heart being renewed, this heart being adopted, and the fact that she wants to do something special for these men. She wants to invite them to her house, and we even see her humility in the fact that she says, if you judge me, to be faithful to the Lord. Please, please come to my house. Her desire to do something special for these men who were God's servants. But then in verse 16, we come to a very different heart. Verse 16, it tells us that it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. The heart that we see here is what I call a tormented heart. Tormented heart because this young girl, first of all, was possessed by an evil spirit. And secondly, she was a slave girl. Not only she was a slave, 
but she did have evil masters who took advantage of her poor condition of being possessed by this spirit to make money. A tormented heart. And then as this young girl possessed by this spirit is following Paul and what she is saying, of course, is, is true. These were God's servants and they were showing the way unto salvation. But also, we understand that this would be problematic, that people in Philippi would associate the spirit of divination with the gospel message. But also the fact that after a few days, just like any of us who have children, who have pulled our sleeves and our pants, hey, that, 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 and we can understand how it's annoying when we're trying to do something and they try to get our attention. Just imagine for several days, Paul trying to preach the gospel and this young girl, possessed by the spirits, was shouting these words, taking away the attention that people might have in hearing the gospel, but also giving a bad, in a sense, image by associating, making, believe, uh, making people believe that uh, she and Paul uh, were uh, associates in a way. But Paul, in verse 18, it tells us that Paul being grieved, well, did something for this young girl as well. In the name of Christ, he freed this young girl from this possession. She was no longer tormented by this evil spirit. But sadly, we don't see anything else about her. We don't have anything from Luke telling us that this young girl being freed from this spirit turned to Christ. Nothing which makes us understand that while well, she was still a slave girl of evil masters, and so her life was still probably tormented. And the fact that not knowing Christ, she was still a sinner, a lost sinner. And if she died in that condition, she is pro probably tormented for eternity. And this is probably the saddest <laughs> story we have in this chapter 16. But of course, when the masters heard what Paul had done, they were not happy because they were making great deals of money through this young girl. And now that she did not have the spirit of divination, well, they lost their money. They lost the way that they had to make money. And so they grab Paul and Silas, bring them to the rulers, and Paul and Silas end up in jail. And here we come to the fourth heart I'd like to underline here in this highlight in this passage. Verse 25, we read that at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. What we have here is a desperate heart. Hopeless. Now, remember that this man, his job was to keep the prisoners, make sure that they remain in prison. And we 
sadly see this man finding the only solution that he th could think of to get out of that situation, and that was to kill himself. Most likely his superiors would have <laughs> probably uh, torture him before killing him. Who knows? But the only solution he found was that. A desperate man. But then there's a voice that cries out of darkness. Paul shouting, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Now imagine the shock and the surprise of this prison guard. Because any one of us who would be in that situation where we would have an earthquake and the doors would open, God has answered our prayers. Let's get out of here. But Paul and Silas and all the prisoners were still there. This man was shocked. And I do believe that as he, just like the other prisoners, he had most likely heard Paul and Silas praying. Paul and Silas singing the praises of Jesus Christ. He probably knew as well why they were there. He probably knew that Paul had cast out that evil spirit from this young girl. So, of course, this desperate soul, hearing that voice, grabs a light and tries to find out who is calling him out of that darkness? And he sees all the prisoners are there. He sees Paul and Silas. And he falls down before Paul and Silas. And he asks the most important question every human soul should ask. What must I do to be saved? He came to that conclusion. Why? Well, of course, this earthquake and the doors and the chains being loose and the prisoners still being there, but also most likely knowing what Paul had done, hearing the prayers and the songs, he knew that he needed salvation. And so, of course, Paul answers this very famous verse 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house and there we see this desperate soul, this hopeless soul, become an adopted heart, trusting Christ. And he takes Paul and Silas to his house. He takes care of their wounds. And he was baptized, he and all his household as well. There, too, we see pretty much the same fruits that we saw with Lydia. A new adopted heart wanting to do something special for God's servants. So, of course, these hearts, we see them. We see them whenever we are involved in sharing the gospel with people around us. We, too, in our ministry in France, we have our Timothys. You saw in the presentation about uh, uh, Emily and Rebecca and Estaniela, these young Christian ladies who were raised in Christian homes, who had, have parents who have taught them not only the, the importance of being in church, but the importance of being involved in Christian life. And for them, 
for their, the very first things that they did when they came to France was pretty much to look for a church and for God to lead them to us. And it's just amazing to, to see them uh, taking more responsibilities there in the church, and we are praying you know, for more people to be like them and uh, helping in the church ministry. But then we also have our Lydia's. We also have people who, just like Lydia, they worship God, but they did not know Christ. And these are Ridion and Amélie, who were Jehovah's Witnesses. And God using the COVID pandemic, the lockdowns, for them to sit down at the computer and to start listening to a Baptist preacher here in the States. And to hear the gospel message and for them to come to know Christ. They too, I mean, they believed they worshiped God, but they did not know Christ the way the Bible presents us Christ. Then we have also some tormented hearts. In the presentation you saw about Gregory and we asked you to pray for Roman as well. Both of these men with mental illnesses that maintain them in that state of being tormented. They do not know Christ yet. When Romain called me the first time, he told me about his condition right away. He told me he had schizophrenia, and he asked me, can I come to church? I said, sure you can. And so he started sharing about his life and his situation. He shared about how he had been in the Mormon church years ago. And through the Mormon church, he was baptized. And after being baptized, for him, he was healed. His condition was gone. And after a few years, he uh, walked away from the Mormon church. And not long after that, his condition came back. And so when I had him on the phone, I told him, you know, you are, of course, welcome to, to come to our services. But let me tell you that if, you're, if your desire is to find healing, I cannot promise you that. I cannot do that for you. Because right now, the most important matter that you should tend to is your soul. And so sharing the gospel with him uh, on the phone, and then he's been... He, he came a few times at church, and off and on he'll come, and off and on he'll call me, and he, he is sadly stuck in that idea of baptism bringing healing. And so he will ask me several times, oh, what must I do to, to be baptized in the Baptist church? And I tell him, Homa, you're asking the wrong question again. The right question for you is, what must I do to be saved? And after that, God may or may not heal you, but he will definitely give you the grace to live a better life, even with this condition. So pray for him that he, he understands what he needs to do, but with his illness, he has the hardest time making decisions. And placing his faith in Christ is still something difficult for him. But the other tormented heart, Gregory, his condition is probably far worse. Because with his condition, he believes that everybody is against him, even his neighbors. And he cannot even find peace in his own apartment 
because he believes that uh, his neighbors are trying to uh, steal him or do things and all that. And so to find that peace that he's looking for, he will just get out of his apartment, walk for miles, hitchhike, and often I would have to go and pick him up because somebody would call me and tell me, well, Gregory's here and he just cannot walk anymore, he's too tired. And so I go and pick him up. A tormented heart, but then he's also a desperate heart. Because many times he will write me letters and he will, of course, you know, complain about this world, which I agree with him. It is a rotten world. But then he also shares in his letters his desire to end his life. Sharing how he would like to go to uh, the store and get a box cutting knife and end his life like that. And just before furlough, I had to go pick him up. He was an hour away from his place. He was in a little village where his mother is buried. He had walked there, spent the night there at the cemetery. And when I picked him up and on the ride home, he turns around to me and tells me, this makes you sad, doesn't it? And I say, of course it does. Because I know you could have a better life. I know that you don't have to be in that state of mind constantly. But I am sad for you. And then he would also look at me and tell me, you cannot do anything for me, can you? I said, no, I can't. But I do know who can. Yes. And God can change your life. And so he told me then that he had bought that knife. And he said, I bought the knife because people in the streets are mean to me and I need to defend myself. And if they do attack me, I'll have this knife to protect myself. But then I also had in mind all these letters where he had said, I want to get this knife so I can end my life. And so I told Gregory, Gregory, I'll probably not be able to prevent you, stop you from doing this. But if you do end your life right now, the torment that you're going through right now is nothing compared to the torment you'll have for eternity. And you need, you need to repent of your sins, place your faith in Jesus Christ, and receive God's grace and then receive the help for you to, to live a better life. It's not going to be easy, but you will have God's help. So I brought him home, and then uh, we left for, for our furlough. But uh, a few weeks after that, uh, my coworker, uh, Brother Abbott, he sent me a message telling me that uh, during the week, uh, Gregory, I had stopped at church and talked with uh, Brother Abbott. And after their conversation, Gregory took his knife and just gave it back to Brother Abbott. So good answer to prayer, a victory, small step, but still a victory. So we, we ask you, we ask you to, to continue to pray for these men and other people, for Axel's parents as well, who have been through many difficulties and trials in life, uh, who they too have lost a daughter to suicide uh, because she was bullied at school. Uh, people with difficult lives. But these are the hearts that are around us, whether it be in France or even here. When we start engaging in conversation with people and sharing the gospel, we will meet such hearts. 
and so many more that we are to reach out to. So again, please continue to, to pray for us, pray for these people, pray for their salvation, and that one day we would hear and rejoice when they come to know Christ as their Savior. And we, again, thank you. We thank you for your prayers, for, for our family, for the ministry there, and for your faithful support throughout the years. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've been able to be together and for us to uh, present uh, your work in France because all the glory comes to you. Lord, we thank you that uh, we see in this passage of the book of Acts, of course, we, we, we see about these people coming to, to know you. We see about their salvation and how you brought Paul to, to be in uh, Derby and Lystra and Philippi. But yes, we are reminded about these hearts. Timothy, an adopted heart, who already knew you and who became one of your faithful servants. Then Lydia, whose heart had to be opened for her to become an adopted heart. For this prison guard as well, who was desperate but then found hope in Jesus Christ and was saved for eternity. But then there's also this slave girl and so many like her who, even though they find some freedom, well, they still reject your grace. But Lord, let us be reminded about these hearts. Lord, help us to have the same compassion you had when you gazed upon the people and you saw them for what they were. Sheep, lost sheep without a shepherd and help us to see the people around us in the same way. And Lord, let us be the ones to bring the message of the good news. Let us be the one to lead them to you, to be the lights that we are supposed to be. We thank you for this uh, day of worshiping, and we thank you for uh, the time that we can be together this evening, and Lord, we ask you to Bless each and every one of us to protect us on the road back home, but also that during this week that you would help us to seek out those hearts and to, to win as many as possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.